We're going to look at the last two chapters of the book of Matthew. And, and you're going to see the challenge that lies before us today. So I was talking, I don't think she'll, she'll be embarrassed. I was talking to Balin. This was a couple nights ago, getting ready for Easter. And she was asking if the Easter baskets were going to be there. And in great parenting fashion, we said there's no Easter baskets this year. We were joking, but she responded, then what's the point of Easter, right? Now, that's the wrong thing to say to anybody, but to the pastor the Sunday before Easter. So she got a full-length sermon Friday night, and you're going to hear some of it today. But I love her sarcasm, right? What's the point of Easter? James, will you bring me one of those baskets back there on top of the thing, one of the Easter baskets? You see, it's easy for a student to get excited about an Easter bag. Listen, it's easy for an adult to get excited for an Easter bag. Thanks, James. Uh -huh. In here, you got all sorts of good stuff, right? Mike, check this out. What's in there? Starburst, right? So, so we've got a little bit of candy in these bags, but listen, anybody like chocolate? Oh, I saw this hand first. I think you've got, what about Skittles? Yes. All right, deal, <laughs> deal. Now, hey, I better stop. I'm a little bit nervous passing out sugar before the message. We're going to be running around. Easy to get excited about things that you can see. And then I started to think, you know, it's one thing to see the excitement of Easter, right? And, and there's two events in history that we celebrate today. Many of you have heard this before. Right? When we look at the cross, we see that Jesus died. And then we look at the empty tomb, we see that he's alive. He has risen. And this is my fear. My, my fear is that that has become common news to our ears and our hearts. And the challenge today, and it's not just an Easter Sunday, it's a challenge for you every day of your lives to remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross and what his resurrection means to us every day of our lives. So, I don't want to just be hard on Balin. I was hard on myself. And I looked, what are some of the things over this past year that brought me the most joy? And so if you remember, this time last year, we had Mr. Fight in his living room playing by himself for our Easter worship music. I was over here doing a video with nobody in the room Preaching to a camera, which is awful, because as soon as you mess up, you start the camera over, right? It's a 10-minute message that takes about two days. It's brutal. So some of the things that brought me joy, getting to this point, you almost feel like things are getting back to normal. I don't know about you, but if you remember going to the store and there being toilet paper on the shelves, there's a little bit of joy there. Stimulus checks. If you look in the bank account and you're wondering, where did that come from? A little bit of joy. Students going to school or not going to school brought some joy. And so we can fill in the blanks anyway from this past year. What I want us to see today is that the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus gives us joy from here to eternity. When the truth that Jesus died in our place and that he rose from the grave 
gets into our hearts and into our minds, that changes everything we do. And so that's the challenge. It is easy to see a child's excitement at Easter when they land the Easter egg. But what I see as a challenge for us is that we serve a risen Savior who changes every day of our lives. Easter is not one Sunday, it's an every day. So that is the challenge that we are going to take today. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, we hear this, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to Scriptures, that He was buried and that He raised, was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And so what we're going to do to start off the message today, we're going to have a couple people come up and read. And the first part we're going to look at is Matthew 27. So Tracy and Mark, if you will come, calm down. We will be in Matthew chapter 27 to start. We'll start with verse 32 and look at Jesus on the cross. Tracy, thank you. Historical fact number one, Jesus died on the cross. And now, when you hear that, what does that mean for you and for me? Right? How does something that long ago impact our lives today? And uh, as a, a teacher at Holmes High School this past week, I've helped multiple students with geometry. And now here's the problem with geometry. I'm an English teacher with students that struggle with geometry. And so when they bring it to me, it has been now, ooh, 2001, 20-something years since I've taken geometry. And on this question that each student had on their test was, here is a point. And you have the, the point on the x-axis, point on the y-axis. And then they ask the question, does it intersect with this line? I don't know. I start looking. Anybody remember uh, slope-intercept form? Anybody know the formula? What is it? Y equals? MX plus B, which would mean something if you knew geometry. But apparently those are some things you need to plug in to figure out where does this line intersect the other line. And now here's the point. When we look back at the cross and the burial, what I want you to see is where your life intersects with what Jesus has done for us. And make no mistake, these two historical events will play a part in your life. And my prayer is that it's these two events that lead to your salvation. The Bible tells us that people look on the cross one of two ways. They either look at it as foolishness, nobody goes and dies and is raised from the dead, or they look on it as the wisdom of God. And in the cross, Jesus dying, we have salvation. And so I want you to see how your life intersects with what Jesus did on the cross. And there's three specific ways. Number one, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You never have to wonder if you are, not, are loved by God. You see it when you see Jesus on the cross. Jesus tells us this in John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then secondly, John 10, 18 helps us understand that Jesus wasn't forced to the cross. He laid his life down. John 10, 18, no one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. 
And so when we see Jesus going to the cross, he is choosing to do so out of love for you and for me and in obedience to his Father. Now this is very, very important to understand. You remember what Thomas told him? He tells his, his crew, hey, we got to go back to Jerusalem. And they're like, Jesus, I don't know if you remember what happened there last time we were there. They tried to kill you. And Thomas makes the statement, fine, let's go with him and we'll die with him in Jerusalem. Jesus knew what was going on. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, he says, I'm going to set my face towards Jerusalem. He is walking there on purpose. And then he says, this is the hour in which I have come. He knows exactly what's happening in Jerusalem. He predicts his death. He's not afraid of the cross. He's driven to the cross because he loves us. And so I hope that you know Jesus loves you. That is very, very important to understand. If you do not understand the love God has for you, you will go and seek the love of someone or something else, and it will never satisfy. The cross is a declaration that Jesus loves you. It's personal. Number two, my sin is serious. My sin is serious. Jesus doesn't shrug his shoulders at our sin. Let me explain. Earlier on in Matthew, Jesus is in the garden, right? It's late, it's Thursday night, they just had the Last Supper, and he's with his crew, and he asks them to pray, and then he goes on a little bit further, and this is what he prays. Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then, a second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if it cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. What is the cup he's talking about? Death on the cross. The wrath of the Father poured out on sin through putting Jesus on the cross. You see, I think a lot of people have this view that God is love and it rips out the part that God is just. God is love and we see that with Jesus on the cross, but we also know that God does not allow sin into his presence. And one thing that we have come comfortable with is sin. You see it in our culture. You see it in our lives. And one thing I do not want us to do is shrug our shoulders like it's not a big deal. When Jesus is nailed to the cross, he's saying your sin is a deal breaker. But I got you. And so we read in Romans chapter 2 verse 5. Because of your hardened and unrepentant hearts, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. Like, that's a terrifying thing if you face God in his wrath. And I'll give you an example. And what I'm going to try to do is give you something less and build to greater. Has anyone in the room ever been bitten by a vicious dog? Right? A few people. Terrifying, right? You're going to laugh, but this scared me to death. In middle school, I was still a large kid in middle school. Went to a friend's house, and he had a wiener dog. And that little dog latched onto my calf, and it was terrifying. And now, I wouldn't go over to his house, 
And when I see a wiener dog, a little bit afraid, right? I'm too big of a guy to be afraid of a little dog. But when you face the wrath of a little dog, it can get scary. Now, a dog, limited in power, small, can't do too much, not big teeth, not very intimidating, still scary if it's coming after you, teeth growling. How much more is the God of the universe? Like we shudder at a streak of lightning that gets too close. And that's nothing compared to our God. And so, and, and listen, this, is, this might step on some toes. That's not my goal. My goal here is to see that we take sin seriously. If God has told us how we should live, do you think we should listen? When we do what we want, however we want, whenever we want, that's called sin. And what the Bible says is we're storing up wrath. And the Bible gives us two ways to deal with that wrath. Either we can pay for it forever in the place the Bible calls hell, separated from God, or we can rest under what Christ did on the cross when he said, I'll drink that cup. That's the wrath of the Father. You remember what Mark said when he was reading? Jesus was saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because in that moment, Jesus was representing sin on our behalf. And so just a couple specific questions for you. We live in a day that glorifies sin. For example, do you think God has said anything about marriage? Do you think God has said anything about how we treat other people? Do you think God has said anything on how we handle money and jobs and treating our neighbors and living before him? You see, what the world says is, hey, do what you want. You identify however you want to identify. You love whoever you want to love. You treat other people however you want to be treated. Get yours. And God, in the meantime, is inviting you to himself. Saying, no, no, no. I've paid for all of that. Come to me. Come to me, come to me, come to me. You know you are loved, but you also know sin is serious when you look at the cross. Which leads to the third point. When you see Jesus dead on the cross. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. I thought it was interesting, um, and Tracy, I think you read this. You got guys talking trash to Jesus. And, and I don't know about you, but what happens when guys talk trash? Mike, a guy in a football game talks trash, what happens? Do you say, oh, we'll see? Or, or do you say, you talk it right back, right? You talk it right back. I remember Sam, my middle brother, um, got sportsmanship player of the year, which I don't understand how. And mom always backed him up. Mom's not in here, so I, we're good to talk about it. Mom always backed him up. She would always say, look at Sam encouraging the other team, right? <laughs> Sam doesn't encourage the other team, right? He was telling them exactly what he thought, talking smack. It's amazing to me the power of Christ, right? He upholds the universe by the word of his mouth. You have guys that beat him. And in a second, Jesus could say, you're not breathing anymore. And life could be snuffed out. He's hanging on the cross. And you got these church leaders saying, hey, you saved others, now save yourself. It would not have been a hard thing 
for Jesus to have spoken and gotten off the cross and been well. You, you guys remember what happened to Lazarus, right? Lazarus, he was dead and buried. And his family's like, hey, Jesus, don't go to the tomb. He's been in there a few days. He stinks. And Jesus is like, hey, just believe. And he says, Lazarus, come on out. Lazarus comes out walking. He's fine. He was dead for four days and he's fine. Why? Because Jesus has that type of power. And so when the guys are saying, hey, come on down. You saved others. Save yourself. We'll believe you're the son of God. Jesus could have. But you want to know what he couldn't have done? If he gets off the cross, he can't save you and he can't save me. Because I still have to pay for my sin for all eternity. And so Jesus stays on the cross so that you and I can be saved. And as a matter of fact, Matthew reminds us that's exactly why Jesus came in the first place. You remember what happened with Christmas? Angel shows up, says, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And then in Matthew 20, 28, we talked about this verse just a little bit last week. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when Jesus goes to the cross and dies, he's saying, I've got your sins, I've got your sins, I've got your sins. Everyone who calls on Jesus can be forgiven of their sin. And that is what makes Friday a good Friday. Jesus' death is what satisfies the wrath of the Father on our sin. I'm going to stand hidden in the cross, covered by his blood, so that when I stand before God, he doesn't see my sin because it's been paid for. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's the good news of Easter. Now, how does that change your life in the day-to-day? -day? How does that change your life in the day-to-day? -day? Number one, we confess our sin. We didn't do anything to save us. It's not because we're good people that we are saved. It's because of what Jesus has done. And the Bible says, when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, not only forgive us, and cleanse us. So, when you mess up, don't start to pout. Well, I can never do this. I'm never going to show back up in church. I can't read the Bible. I can't approach God. While that's true, the fact is the only way we approach God is through Christ. And so confess your sin, turn from it, and get back to following Jesus. Number two, don't go back to sinning. Don't go back to sinning. It never delivers on what is promised. It always hides the price tag. And so some of you right now are dealing with sin. And actually, all of us should be dealing with sin in our lives. We should be fighting sin. And when we see Jesus going to the cross, it reminds us of how serious our sin is. So let us turn from that and live for Jesus. And then number three, we should worship. We should worship. Think about whenever someone stood in the gap for you. Whenever someone showed up for you in a big way. Do you guys remember a time? How'd that make you feel about that person? Like, man, you came in clutch. Thank you for showing up. I couldn't have done this without you. Eternity has changed because of what Jesus has done for us. And in eternity, we will echo our praise for what he has done. Right now, we just get a glimpse, but we cannot comprehend what is in our future. And it all goes back to what Jesus did on the cross. So let the cross and Jesus' death change your today. All right, now, here's the good news. The story doesn't end with Jesus in the tomb. We see that he's buried, 
but he doesn't stay in the grave. So if I could have the next crew up. Matt, you're leading off, and then we'll go Rick and then Jaquela. This is uh, end of Matthew 27 into Matthew 28. All right, very important. The story does not end at the cross. The empty tomb gives us hope. And, and so just two ways. One, hope for today. Joy for today. It's an amazing thing what God did for us. I've been to several funerals, but never one like what was just described. For three days, Jesus in a tomb, and the grave couldn't hold him. Matthew 28, verse 8, So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. You see, this changes everything. Can you imagine the disciples just real quick? They left everything to follow Jesus, and for three years they walked with this guy day in and day out. They knew he was going to be a king. Nobody could do the stuff that he was doing. He was healing the sick. Someone who couldn't hear, he would make them hear. Someone who couldn't see, he would make them see. Someone that was starving, he fed thousands. They're going through, and there's a storm. He's walking on water. He says, peace, be still. Like the disciples knew they had their guy. Like, hey, this is the guy that's going to change it. We're not going to be whooped by the Romans anymore. We found our king. But then things started to go south, and he would say things like, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to go away from you, but I'm going to come back. Can you imagine the disciples on Friday night after seeing Jesus beaten and nailed to a cross and breathe his last? Like, I wonder if they were saying, man, we're such fools. How could we have believed this guy? I didn't think we'd end up here. Can you imagine how they felt in the middle of Saturday? We know that they were hiding. They were terrified. They thought the same guys that put Jesus to dead were going to put them to death. And yet, guess who comes through the door? Can you imagine what they were feeling? When Jesus says, fellas, what's going on? Let's get some breakfast. Do you guys feel that? Because what's true for them is true for us today. Jesus is alive. That should change how we worship. He hears us when we praise His name. Our hearts should be set on the living Lord and Savior. And then we see in Acts 2.24, God raised Jesus up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for Him to be held by death. I don't know about you, but when you see uh, we'll use something fresh, Gonzaga, last night. Listen, it was a late game. Most people didn't know. Most people don't know, but Gonzaga's a basketball team. They played basketball last night. Tied game. Three, two, one. This guy chucks up a half-court shot. It banks in. They don't care. They start celebrating. They start jumping up, holding each other, jumping on tables because they had won the game. Right here, Peter is celebrating. He's saying, hey, death has been swallowed up. We have victory over the grave. Now, how does that change right now for us? You see what COVID's doing to a lot of people? It's terrifying. But if the grave's not the end for those who believe in Christ, is it as terrifying? Hmm. Now, all of us in the room will one day die. 
And yet because Jesus has victory over the grave, we too one day will have victory. In the meantime, how should we live? Real quick, and we'll, we'll breeze through this. In Romans 6, 4, it says, Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. You need a fresh start, a new life. You might be dead spiritually, but in Christ and his resurrection, you can have life. And when Jesus changes your life, it is a new life. There's a radical difference in people who follow Jesus. And it's not because they're special. It's because God gives them the Spirit. And the Spirit changes everything. So that's how your life can change right now. But then it will change for all eternity. In 2 Corinthians 4.14 we read, For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. And then in Romans 8.11 tells us how. It tells us how. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, Right? And all those who have put their faith in Christ, the Spirit lives in you. If that same Spirit who raised Jesus lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. Now listen, this is good news. And I don't know what happened to me in between the age of 37 and 38. But we played pickup basketball for the first time in about a year yesterday. Two hours. Up and down the court. And it wasn't fast. It wasn't quick-paced. It wasn't pretty basketball, but we'd go up and down, up and down. And I woke up this morning, and I couldn't bend my knee. But the good news is I couldn't concentrate on my knee because my right Achilles was killing me. And I'm thinking, I'm 38. I'm not that old, but somewhere between 37 and 38, getting old. Now, it's not going to get better for me. I'm going to get older. I'm going to get weaker. And one day, some of you, if, if I beat you to the grave, will gather for a funeral for me. But I won't stay in that tomb. Because I know the one who has defeated the grave. You see how that changes life? That gives us confidence to walk wherever Christ leads us. And for the disciples, man, many of them were walking towards their death. But death couldn't touch them. That's how the resurrection changed them. That's how the resurrection can change us. And one last thing, Jesus keeps his promise. Did you hear what the angel said to him? 28, 5 and 6 says, The angel told the women, Don't be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. That same Jesus is with us today. Do you guys see the promise in 28 verse 20, what Jaqueline read? And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise. That's a promise. Jesus keeps his promises. And I know there's dark days and we've come through a dark time. But you want to know who never left your side? Jesus. He keeps his promises. He said he was going to die and in three days be risen. And he did exactly what he said. And he said he's going to be with us to the end of the age. And it's been a long time, 2,000 years, since Jesus made that promise. It's not a hard thing for him to keep his word. And so this is what I want to ask you to do today. 
sometime today, and I know there's so much going on. I Many of you, you might have Easter egg hunts, you might have to gather with family, you might have a thousand things on your schedule. Sometime today, I want you to think about these two things. Number one, has your life ever intersected with Jesus? If not, go to the cross, ask him to save you from your sin, and Jesus will do that. And then number two, are you living in light of what Jesus has done for you? Called you to himself, died so that you can live a new life. Are you living it out? Understanding that Jesus is with you day in and day out. Tracy, I tried to, to put it this way. Uh, I'm a coach. I try to learn a lot about basketball. Can you imagine if I had an opportunity, my favorite coach, John Wooden. Some of you guys don't know who John Wooden is. He coached at UCLA, won a lot of games, um, considered widely one of the best basketball coaches. Can you imagine we get to hang out with John Wooden and all we talk about is everything but basketball? Would that be a waste of time? Why not? Learning experience. There's so much to learn from a guy like John Wooden. How does he do life? Uh, he taught Kareem Abdul-Jabbar how to put on socks and how to put on shoes. Something that we've forgotten to do because we've got a player that can't tie his shoes. Right? So we've got to go back to the, There's a lot that we could learn from John Wooden. Wouldn't waste that time. We wouldn't cancel that meeting. Now, Jesus is with you day in and day out. And it is not, it is not going to be for too long. How many years do you have? We'll say everybody gets 100 in the room. Time is ticking. Every day, every month, every week, precious. Jesus is with you. Spend time with him. Dig into the word. Call out to him. Worship him. Follow where he leads. Let his death and resurrection change your Easter this year and every day of your life from here on out. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us together. Lord, thank you for walking us through this time. Lord, it feels good to be in your house. And Father, there's people all over the place in the room. Some have doubts right now. Some don't want anything to do with you. Some are struggling in their walk with you. Others are doing great. They're making much of you. And Lord, I pray that your spirit meets us where we are. So Father, I pray that you open up our eyes so that we can see your glory. Change us. We desperately need you. Lord, thank you for covering our sins by going to the cross. Thank you for rising from the grave and being with us every day. It's in your name we pray. Amen.